0: There is something wonderful on the other side of awkward. That's the word for this week, maybe. Yes, t-shirts. Good, well, welcome. Well done, everyone who has taken the choice to uh, give up uh, part of their lives, part of their year. It's We recognise that it is a sacrifice to do this, <laughs> and uh, but we have to believe that uh, God is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. As I believe it says in Hebrews, nothing to do with coffee. <laughs> <There> Yay, <you> God. <laughs> so, we're... We're going to have an amazing time, Uh, and I can say that with great confidence, because every time we've got together here for this week, we always get to the beginning of the week and sort of say, not quite sure what's going to happen, how's this going to sort of pan out, and yet, every single time, something happens. So, I want what I want to do, what my job is, um, is to build up a sense of expectancy, okay, that God wants to meet with you this week, if you are willing, if you want to, if you uh, are willing to receive, if you're willing to hear, if you're willing to step into something slightly new, then he is willing to go with you. And uh, I I can say it with confidence because it always happens. It always happens like that. And uh, every Kingdom Life School has been brilliant. And I was thinking this morning as... uh, you know, uh, that saying that when Van Gogh was asked, what what's your best painting? And he says, this one that I'm doing now. And it's always the next one. It's always the current one is always better. And Kingdom Life School is a little bit like that. And we have this sense of expectancy for this week, personally, the team. Okay, And you, as people who have signed up, students, if you will, uh, may think it's about you. But actually it's not, it's about us, because we are stepping forward into something, and we're going to receive something of the kingdom as well. And this whole week is about positioning ourselves to receive something from God, to receive something of the kingdom. Okay, so that's where I want to start off um, Some of the team who've been on this before will have heard some of these stories before. Forgive me, but get over it, Um, because it's all good. And it is something we need to remind ourselves about, positioning ourselves to receive from God. Because, you know, the things of God, the things of the kingdom, um, are not just kind of on this endless a uh, railroad that is marching along and are just going to automatically happen, okay? For us personally, it says all of the promises of God are inherited through faith and patience. Two key ingredients, okay? Faith and patience. Now, what is faith? Faith, for me, I, I like to think of things in cu- quite sort of uh, simplistic terms. Faith is, is a confident expectation, that something is going to happen, okay? It's different from hope. Hope is, I kind of hope we're going to go somewhere nice on holiday this year. Faith says you're going to receive it, you're going to do it, you're going to book it. it. It's like solid, it's there, okay? And so we need to build in ourselves that confident sense of expectation because that, that is the force that pulls down on heaven, is faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I mean, he would not have put these things in the word unless it were really, really key. Okay, so we need to kind of look at that, and we need to look at the things that feed faith, that can build that up. Uh, And the other ingredient, of course, is patience, and that's the annoying one, isn't it? Because you can have faith, but then the patience thing is the thing that says... Okay, we've held out for this long. Okay, well, how much longer? Well, perhaps as long again. Well, perhaps as long again. You know, we have to have that same faith. And Abraham was a, was a great example of that, you know, even though he, he got his word, didn't he? I think at the age of... Whatever. Uh, but it was 80, maybe, I think it was. Uh, uh, but he was like almost 100, I think, when actually the promise came true. So it was many, many years after the promise was given. But he did not look at his circumstances. He did not look at his body. I do believe things were slightly different in those days, I have to say, if they kind of lived to 120 and, and his wife, Sarah was still desirable to the Philistine princes around at the age of 80, 90. Something must have been slightly different, I think. But, um, well, uh, <laughs> what? tastes maybe, I don't know. It's like, um, so, faith, faith, faith. We need, to, we need to build in ourselves that sense of faith. Now, how, how do we get faith? Faith, well, the Bible says, faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the word of God. So we know that as the word gets released to us, a faith begins to rise up in us. And that's what this week is going to be about, okay? I can say confidently that stuff is going to happen, get, happen this week. People are going to get healed. Promises are going to be fulfilled. Things that have been waited for will arrive uh, perhaps some people that have even been troubled, demonically may I say, are going to be set free. It is going to happen, okay, as we just position ourselves, and as we position ourselves with faith and patience in this week. It, t- the Today is, is the awkward day, okay, but there is something wonderful the other side of awkward, Today is the awkward day. It's the day when you arrive and you think, oh, who are all these people? What have I signed up for? Why have I done this? I've got so many things to do. I've got such a lot of things. I'm kind of losing uh, opportunities. I'm losing work. I'm losing income. It's cost me to come here. What have I done? This is the awkward day. But I can make this declaration. There is something wonderful the other side of awkward. And if we will just position ourselves today to receive from God, something is going to get opened up, okay? So, um, now, so, so why as why, why, uh, why are we doing this? Why do we do Kingdom Life School? We are certainly not putting ourselves forward as people that have all of the answers because we are on this journey. We are on this same journey we are passionate people. We want to see the kingdom of God come in power. That is kind of one of our kind of inner core values, if you like, that we, that we are tired of talking about it. We are tired of other people talking about it. We actually want to see it, taste it, experience it, and live it ourselves. And that is the journey that we're on. That is where we are pushing forward. Those are the things that we want to take hold of. And, but we're on the journey as well, okay? We don't profess to be great experts in this, but we believe there is something in the process. Kingdom Life School is not about information. It really is not about information. This is not... You, you won't find lots of books around. This is, we do have a little library through there. But it is not about receiving information. This is about transformation, you know, there's a, that great uh, verse in Romans, isn't it? Somewhere. Where it says, uh, don't copy uh, the behaviour and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So that's part of the process that is going to happen over this week, okay? God is going to transform you into a new person. There's a bold claim. This, if you will allow it, can be a life-changing experience. I know that because I have experienced it. I've experienced an encounter with God. I've experienced the voice of God speaking over me that has fundamentally changed who I am and the way I live. Okay, and I'll, I'll come to that in a little while. So we don't have all the answers, but we are on the journey. I believe that every single person here has a prophetic destiny. Okay? They, uh, it it says in the scriptures, doesn't it, uh, Ephesians 2, for by grace, grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk into them. Okay? There's a, a bit of predestination in there. So Calvinists and Arminianists amongst you will kind of get your debating heads on and all of that stuff. But it does say that God created good works ahead of time for us to step into. And, um, you know, it's backed up a little bit in Jeremiah, wasn't it? Uh, Where it says, before I formed you in the womb, Jeremiah, I knew you. Before you were born, you were set apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. There was a, a sense there that God created a destiny for Jeremiah before he was actually born, while he was in the womb. And uh, I believe that is true for every single person in this room. It's not just for people who go into ministry. It is for every single person that aligns themselves with the father, becomes a son or a daughter of the Father and uh, embraces that lifestyle. There is a destiny for us to step into. So, part of what we do this week is pressing in to hear the voice of God, to understand what that destiny is, to see it begin to be unlocked. That's why, uh, for example, one of the things that we put a very high value on is the prophetic the prophetic gifting. It's one of the gifts of the Spirit, which I believe can unlock the secrets of men's hearts and begin to set out a a prophetic destiny that you can step forward towards. Um, Also in Jeremiah, it says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. So, We're going to, it's really a week about experiencing God. It's a week about encountering him. It's a week about, uh, you know, and we can encounter him in, in many, many different ways, can't we? We can feel him physically and I'll tell some testimonies of how that's happened to me in the past and uh, we can hear his voice very clearly. I can tell some testimonies about that. We can encounter him in dreams. You know, this is all valid, okay? It's a valid encounter. The, the covenant given to Abraham, um, when God met with him, first of all, was in a dream. When God met with Jacob and gave him his covenant... It was in a dream. These were all valid encounters. So, we can encounter God in many different ways, but each one has a fundamental effect. It changes us. It transforms us. It changes the way we think about ourselves. And that is what we're about this week. That is, uh, we are kind of pushing forward through that little barrier called awkward, okay, into something else that God has got for us. So, I, right from the, a sort of a, a very, very, very long time ago, um, I read a scripture that just changed the way I thought. And it, it's the scripture from Exodus thirty-three, eleven, 11, um, where it speaks about Moses meeting with God in the tabernacle. You remember, I think it's actually shortly after the Israel had all sort of gone wrong and done the molten calf and were worshipping it and he'd come down. Anyway, what Moses did, he said, right, enough of all this. He went and pitched the tabernacle just slightly outside the camp and it says there he would go and meet with God on a daily basis and Joshua would go with him and minister in, in the tent. And there was something in this scripture which just made me very, very dissatisfied. Um, so let's read it. I, Exodus thirty three eleven. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And afterwards, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. It was that sentence, it was that one sentence that said, uh, Moses spoke to God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Again, I, I simplify everything. I don't kind of think of things in grand spiritual terms or anything, but... I think, you yeah, know, I've got friends and I do occasionally sit down and speak to them face to face and it looks a certain way. You know, you talk to them, they talk back to you, you share secrets, you make yourself vulnerable, they, you, they make themselves vulnerable. You know, you communicate with them and afterwards you know something of their heart. It, it looks like a very real sort of encounter. And, and for me personally, at the time when I first read that, I thought, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't think I've experienced that. I haven't experienced it to that level. As I would say, I have met with God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Do you think you could grab the fan over and I'm uh, starting to cook a little bit and I feel like I need the wind in my hair <laughs> to give me a little bit of artistic effect? Not that I've got much left to have. We, uh. That's why I'm growing the beard. Compensate. Here we go, right next to me. We can pretend it's the mighty rushing wind coming in. Ah, lovely. Oh, fans are annoying, aren't they, when they're on this cycle thing? We don't want it over there, no. This way, this way, this way. No. About there. Lovely. That's it, that'll keep me cool. So, <clears throat> yeah, Moses speaking to God face to face as a man speaks to his friend, it it put something in me that said, hang on, this is in the book, all right? It's in there, therefore it's valid. It is something to be attained. If God has done it with people thus far then it must be valid he wouldn't have given us the book if it were just to sort of tantalize us and say oh here's something that happened to someone else but they were actually a bit better than you so you don't get to do this bit no i actually believe if it's in the book it's fair game okay it's given to us for an example all of the different stories of The way people met with God, the things that they achieved in God, the things, the way they related to God, are there as an example and as a, like a template, if you like, for us to uh, go after. And so, I thought, yeah, okay, if it's in the book, it's possible, therefore, I'm going after it. And it, it put an internal hunger in there to experience the reality of the kingdom, the reality of a relationship with God. The more I looked at it, the more I began to believe that Christianity, uh, relationship with the Father, is something to be experienced rather than something to be known about. That's why I say it's about uh, transformation rather than information. You know, because we can, we can read books, we can read the Bible, we can read, and we can read about God, and all of that is good. It's, it's, don't get me wrong, I am not about, I'm not against information. I think it's good to study, it's good to uh, study how to read the Bible and, uh, and how it was all set. However, when you look at when God created man in the garden in the very first place, there were no books in the garden, as far as the book says. It's, uh, you know, it was all about walking with God in the cool of the day. It was all about communicating with him. It was all about doing stuff with him. It was a very relational thing. It was a very experiential thing, okay? It wasn't then just a set of beliefs. And so, you know, that's what I believe. I believe how he originally set it up in the garden is our model. It is probably a little bit like what heaven looks like. Okay, if we imagine what heaven looks like now, it is probably similar to how God created man in the garden in the first place. It's a good pattern. And we often, we often say around here that you know, the gospel is actually very, very simple. That God created man in the garden uh, in absolute peace, absolute uh, health, absolute provision, absolute... Uh, just, it was just wonderful, they had everything, they had good relationship with each other, they had good relationship with God, they had everything they they needed, they could eat from any of the trees in the garden, except for that one, Uh, there was all these precious jewels and stones around, lying around, you know, everything was good, everything was uh, just absolutely perfect, now, they lost that, because they made some wrong choices, they made some bad choices and they began to move away from god's way and so they separated themselves from it which is really sad i mean why on earth would you would you do that when everything was so perfect but the good news is jesus came died on the cross shed his blood to pay the penalty for that sin that they committed for all the sins that have been committed up until now, for the sins that I am presently committing, and for all the sins that we will commit in the future. His blood covered all of those sins and broke the curse that came on the land at that time. In order to restore back, it gives us the right to bring heaven down to earth. So, if we're saying, right, heaven, where God lives and... Is, is probably a very good picture of what it was like in the garden. And Jesus taught us to pray, you know, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, like heaven come down here, heaven be manifested here. Then that's a really good picture of restoring life like it was in the garden. No sickness, no lack, no need, no anger, no sin, no disappointment, none of those things, when we bring heaven down, that is what we're doing. We're restoring the world around us, which is very, very fallen, very sad and very um, troubled. We are bringing the peace and the rule of heaven down to transform it around us. And so, you know, that is the way we were created. We were created to walk with God, to experience him, to do these things with him. And that is where we're going today, okay? That is where we are beginning to um, step out and align ourselves more. Because the truth of the matter is that probably all of our lives here, we've had some tastes of heaven breaking in. We've had some good experiences which we might tell each other, but our overall testimony and our overall lives are not living in the fullness of that yet, okay? And, you know, we're, we're on a journey and I think we will remain on a journey uh, probably for all of our lives as we push forward and we pull down a little bit more of heaven day by day and manifest it around us, but probably it will only be fully manifested when we actually go and be with him, when we go to heaven and we go and uh, rule and reign with him there. So it's about experience, okay? And so people say, oh, you can't just live on experience. Uh, But I would say, actually, you can't live without experience, okay? I I think sometimes we adapt our lives in order to fit in with our circumstances. And personally, I've always had this like battle and people find me very annoying at times because, you know, life around us paints a picture. Like many of you, I know, may be carrying some kind of illness or sickness or lack or something unfulfilled. You know, you're you're carrying them with you at this very moment. And yet, we're looking at the Word of God and we're looking at the pattern that is within the Word of God. We're looking at that pattern of how God created man in the garden, of of why we believe that when Jesus came, shed his blood, he was wanting to restore that. We look at the acts that he did when he found a sick person. He didn't comfort them. He didn't help them. He didn't get them a new wheelchair, to, you know, to get around a little bit more. He healed them. And when he came across someone who was oppressed demonically, you know, he didn't sort of give them electrotherapy or, or whatever of that stuff. He actually set them free. When he was caught in the middle of a storm... He didn't bless the storm. He didn't say, well, this is all teaching you a good lesson. Let's endure this. He calmed the storm. You know, Jesus painted a picture in his life, in his ministry, when he was walking on earth, of what I believe our vision, our mission should be, of the way that we should live, the thing that we should aspire to. Okay? Now, I am not saying we are there. I'm not saying we're we're even close, but we are moving towards it, because we believe it is the right way, and we believe that actually God wants to restore this back to the church more than we want him to, okay, because it's the way that he has created us. Jesus said, and as Bill Johnson says, Jesus is perfect theology, because He said, if you have seen me, that's Jesus speaking, not me, Phil. If you see me, you've seen the Father. Okay, so Jesus, everything that Jesus was, everything that he did, illustrated the heart of the Father. So, you know what the heart of the Father is, because of what Jesus did. So, is it the heart of the Father to uh, kind of release sickness on the earth? Well, no, I don't think Jesus did it. All he did was heal sickness. All he did was alleviate problems. All he did was de- to destroy the works of the devil. That's what he did. He went around doing good, destroying the works of the devil. And, you know, he was demonstrating the heart of the Father. So if we want to ask ourselves, what is the heart of fa- the Father like? Well, look at Jesus. He is perfect theology. You get a perfect picture of what he was like. So, I, I fundamentally believe that we are designed to live in a place of experience, knowing the heart of the Father, know, hearing his voice clearly, experience his touch upon us, and increasingly knowing the power of the kingdom that he has given us through Jesus to bring about the kingdom on earth, okay? Power to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. That authority that he gave his disciples, you know, he said, all authority has been given to me. Jesus said that. Go, therefore, into all the world, making disciples, healing the sick, cleansing the leper, raising the dead, all of that sort of stuff. And he has given us that authority. So, Again, part of what we will be doing this week is reinforcing actually that identity. Because, okay, now, one of the things that stops us from stepping in and stops me from stepping into these things is wrong thinking. It, that's why he says, don't conform to the world, but be, allow God to transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 10.4, you know, we fight not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. But it's all about taking captive every thought, bringing it into subjection to, to Jesus and what he did on the cross, okay? It is all about changing the way we think. And identity is a huge thing. If we think, oh, I'm a sick person, you know, that is my identity, then that, that it says in, um, what is it, in Proverbs 27, maybe, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. As we, what we believe and what our identity is, is what actually begins to manifest and gets anchored in the, in the physical realm. So, one of the things we need to do is to understand the new identity that God wants to give us, what that identity looks like, what, the, what is the blueprint that he has for us. And that's where our, uh, the, you know, clearly there's, there's a model in the Bible, and I think just looking at Jesus, he's, he's the perfect model of everything that we would aspire to be like. Okay, so you see from him that the way he lived, the things he did... Uh, all of that, that's, that's part of the model. But then pers- there's a personal customization of the model, which is our prophetic destiny. It's a, what are the good works that he has given us to do? Specifically, what are those things that he has given us to do? And um, we, we've had uh, a number of those over the years. So, where are we? We're about half eleven, so... It'd be good to do some praying at the end of this, um, so I'll, I'll try not to go on too long. But there's been a few things that have changed me from one person into another, and uh, let, let me start off on a couple of these. But one of them was when the Word of God was released to us in a new way. So Heather, uh, my wife, and I, so in, I was calculating back, actually, and it was in... I believe it was in 1989 that this happened. Okay, so it's quite a long time ago. So how long's that? That's like thirty. Nearly thirty, isn't it? Thirty years. Twenty-seven years. Yeah, twenty-seven. Brownie knows because she's was that sort of age. Um, so yeah, but that we were. So I I was working for Siemens. Uh, environmental systems as an engineer I I trained as an electronic engineer Heather was teaching um, uh, at various age, age groups and stuff and we had some kids and we were just moseying along minding our own business when one day Heather came to me and said do you know I think God might have said something a bit weird to me today a bit strange and um And I looked at her, uh, bearing in mind, okay, so we're going along to Kaufman Baptist Chapel. I had not actually been going to church terribly long (laughs) at this stage. I didn't get on very well with church. I didn't like it much. It was, it it, didn't, no, I endured it. It was like, I was not into it. Um, I certainly had no dreams or visions to get any more involved than I was. I would do the minimum that would keep Heather happy. And also would, you know, kind of give us a sense of, that's where I was, I'm just being honest here, okay, it was like, we, I, I was not a kind of super spiritual, uh, let's, stu- you know, take the world revival, and none of that, none of that was like that, it was, I was just going along, and we were helping out, sometimes you get caught in the wrong place, and someone says, will you do this, and I'll say, oh, all right, and you end up leading something for a while, but I would, it was not a big part of who I was. Anyway, so Heather said, you know, I think God might have said something strange to me. And I said, don't say a word, because I know what it is already. And, you know, I had, at that point, I don't think I'd i would had a word at all. Maybe, maybe, had toyed with something once, but I did not get words, I did not get pictures, I did not feel the presence of God, I had, my experience of God was zero, okay, I, I had no actual experience of the reality of God, but I said to her, don't say a word, because I know what it is already, there will be a new church in Lichitma Travers, Was this, and her mouth dropped open, because she had had this exact same sentence dropped into her subconscious thought, as, and I had had it on the, I think probably within a couple of days of each other. And, you know, even as I think back now, I think, how on earth did that happen? I, I, I don't remember the process, but I remember the interaction and saying it. So both of us had had this little word dropped into our hearts, it was random. We really did not like Lichema Travers. We would not, you know, we had no, we barely knew where it was. I think it was like we'd visited a house there once when we were first moving down here and thought, no, too expensive there, we'll go somewhere else. Um, but, so, where did that come from? It was not something we'd been talking about, it was not something we'd been dreaming about or, or, or whatever. It was just completely random and that little sentence that got dropped into our hearts, you know, and and we had no idea what to do with it at, at that stage. We, as I say, we were just getting on with life, and we we went and talked to our leaders at the at the church then, and they sort of dismissed it out of hand. They said, "No, that that's probably not God," or they, they said, "It's been tried before; it it won't work." And thinking that we were saying, "Can we go and start a church?" but that was the furthest thing from our minds at the time. Our thoughts were, "Oh, someone's going to come and start a church in Lichfield. We'll, we'll perhaps go along and help a little bit, and uh, you know, um, give a little bit of money, or perhaps help with the kids' work, or something, something like that." Anyway, but that little word that got dropped into our hearts at that moment set in motion a whole new realm of our lives to step into. It, it was the weirdest thing, honestly, I cannot explain to you. You know, on day one, it happened, we logged it, we spoke to the leaders about it, they rejected it, and we moved on. We thought, okay, we'll, we'll do something else then and <laughs> just sort of get on. Uh, but something began to happen. It actually created something in the spiritual atmosphere around us whereby our lives just went completely chaotic from that moment. They, it, It's like one thing after another began to happen and, and opportunities began to open up. We began to move on. And through a seven-year period, just things began to happen and things began to open up. The hunger began to be released in our spirit. I mean, we thought... Why is this? This is like strange because, we, you know, it's like we don't even really want to do this, you know, but we couldn't let it go. And so we began to manoeuvre and alter our lives. By this stage, we were living up at Beacon Hill, Limbalost area, and every week we would get together and we'd begin to pray. And that was quite a revelation, you know, that we would move into praying. That was a miracle, yeah. Didn't like it. Found it awkward. But there is something wonderful, just the other side of awkward. And we are living in the fruit of it. But yeah, I mean, praying was really awkward. We didn't do praying very well. It was like, you know, we avoided it. Um, But, yeah, this thing got set in motion. And, you know, here here we are in the fruit of it now. So another, another example of transformation that can happen from encountering the presence of God. And um, many of you have have heard this before, but at the end of that seven years, when we were uh, thinking about this word that had got dropped on, on us, and, and during that period, we met lots of interesting people. We spent a little bit of time in another church, helping them to get going over in Southbourne Way. And, you know, God put some really good stuff inside us in that time. And we were gently being pushed forward. I kind of learnt to pick up the guitar again and, and lead a little bit of worship and, you know, things that I wouldn't have dreamt of doing. Just bit by bit, we were moving forward, but still not really thinking that we wanted to initiate anything. We still thought someone else was going to come and do it and we would join in. So, But the word within us had uh, caused this nagging... Oh, what are we going to do with this? It is like we can't let it go. We, at one stage, we'd even tried to move away from the area because we thought, enough of this. We are wasting our lives on this thing. We are going to leave. We're going to move to Southbourne and go and join in with this church that we were helping. And, you know, right in the middle of it, God just spoke in uh, again. Uh, I haven't got time to tell you all about that one, but he kind of spoke quite clearly and said, no geographically, this is where I want you. Stay put. And he kind of manoeuvred the circumstances around us so that the housing market died and we couldn't sell. (laughs) He actually, I, I believe he engineered a complete landfill settlement just 100 yards up the road from where we live in order to keep us where we were. That's just about to finish now. But at the end of that seven years, we got to the point where we thought, Right. What are we going to do now? Um, We we need to really understand what it is that God wants us to do. We need to find out what this word is about because it is driving us mad. It is driving us to distraction and life is passing us by. We need to either find out about this or we need to move on. Okay. And so... I can remember going up to uh, Shaftesbury Christian Centre one night because they were having some wonderful times in the Holy Spirit and we used to like to go up on the evenings and just go and receive in these, these refreshing meetings that they used to have. It was, a, it was a lovely time. and I can remember going up there one, one Sunday evening and Heather I don't think Heather was there. Um, I just went up by myself and at the end they were doing the kind of standing lines and do the praying thing and, you know, and uh, this lady came up to me and said, uh, Oh, Phil, I can, I'm kind of getting a picture as I'm praying for you. I can see bridges going out east from you. And I'm thinking in my mind, East? That's like Corf Mullen and Wimborne. That's the wrong direction. Lichema Travers is west from where we are. And she says, No, somewhere like Singapore or Malaysia. <laughs> and I was thinking, Oh, my goodness! <laughs> I've rebuked that word you thought she was mad. I did. I thought she was completely start raving bonkers and uh and I have always had a kind of slight fear about God calling me to be a missionary ever since I became a Christian at the age of fifteen because I don't like discomfort, Home, you know, but anyway we'll move, we'll move on to that so there i there I am, I think in. Malaysia, Singapore, what's that all about? And uh, so anyway, I, I kind of said yes, thank you, and uh, did whatever it was that would make her move on and pray for someone else. And um, and then came home, and I think I I believe it was that night that I got home, and uh, Phil and Avril's son Andy came round, um, kind of late that evening, and was brandishing this little leaflet in his hand, and. He said, uh, oh, Phil, Phil, we've, um, we've, uh, there's this opportunity's come up. We, we could go on this course, and it was called A School of the Prophets, okay? And uh, we were beginning to think, okay, the key to moving forward is hearing what God's saying. It really is. We need to hear more clearly. We have not got the detail of this thing, and it is driving us up the wall. So, School of the Prophets, I said, yeah, that sounds good. It's a, it was a two-week school, which was a bit of a bit of a step, but. And I said, "Okay, where is it?" He said, "It's in Malaysia." <laughs> I said, "Oh no, I've been set up." <laughs> I've been set up, and he said if we could stay with my friends in Singapore. <laughs> so Singapore, Malaysia, and I thought we have definitely been set up, and so. I, right from the right from that very first moment, I thought, yeah, this this has got to happen. This is part of the journey that we're on, and God's got something for us in that place. And so we applied for this thing. And I think I was I was there was about 80 people went on this school from all over the world, every every country. Most of them from Asia, though. And um, I think I was the only person who was not in full-time ministry who applied for it. I was still in business and uh but i applied and i got on and, and off we went and we arrived on this school and i'm telling this story because it's got some useful keys in it okay for this week so pay attention but we arrived in this place and we got taken in some kind of little combi van you know all the way from singapore to malaysia it was like a really hot journey and um we arrive in this place, and as we're driving down the road, I'm looking out of the window at these strange creatures crawling out of the sewers. And uh, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what have we come to? And uh, it's this little remote town in a, in a, uh, called Mua in the, on the coast of Malaysia. And uh, it's hot, it's smelly, it's, uh, they don't eat our food at all. <laughs> It was, and I I got to this place and we got put in this, uh, uh, for this, in this school. It was just like in a housing estate. It was really cramped, packed. There was no air conditioning. It was 40 degrees day and night, okay? None of the windows had glass in or anything. It was just kind of all open to the, it just had slats on them, you know. And um, just to let the breeze through. And I got put in this dormitory with these six other, or I think there was eight of us all together, in a room that was like about sort of six foot by nine foot, okay? In bunks, triple bunks it was. And it was (laughs) stifling. It was, I could barely breathe in the place, and all of these people snored, and I thought, oh my goodness, what have I done? I've got two weeks in this place. I thought, okay, no, no, grin and bear it. Let's let's go and you go down for dinner or whatever, and you can barely recognise what is on the plate. I am I am kind of being brought up on fish fingers and chips all my life. Okay, I'm uh, baked beans is like pretty exotic for us. <laughs> And here we've got, it's like fish for, you know, for breakfast with the heads still on and all of this stuff. And I, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm like, what am I going to do here? And uh, we get up into the worship, up into the first meeting of the thing and, and uh, they start the worship time and there's two guys up leading the worship the only instruments they have, now, people of a certain age will understand what I mean when I say a Bon Tempe organ (laughs) that kind of goes, and you can play it with one finger, okay? (laughs) There was one of those and a bass drum that was going dunk, 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 dunk. It was like, and I would say, seriously, come on, like, I've come, like, whatever it was, 4,000 miles across the world to engage in this thing. And I like music. I really like music. I, I really do. It's like, and I think in, I, and, and these meetings of the evening, they said, we will be doing this every night, usually for three to four hours. <laughs> There won't be any speaking, we will just be worshipping and pressing in to the Lord, you know, and I'm thinking, no, (laughs) please, not every night. And and I think that first night I got back and I had one of these phone cards I'd bought in Singapore and I got on the phone to Heather and I said, Heather you've got to get me home. Have, phone up the travel agent. It was before the days of internet. Phone up the travel agent and see if you can change the ticket and get me home. And it kind of went quiet at the other end. And she said, don't you dare come home <laughs> until you've got what you came for. I said, That's not very kind. But she was right. <laughs> she was right. And... You know i thought yeah've we 've we've, we've given up a lot actually two weeks of the annual leave we didn 't get a lot of annual leave in those days. that was like half of the of the family 's holiday time we'd spent a lot of money getting over there. The tickets were expensive. the fees to get around were were quite expensive, and we'd sacrificed a lot and to have turned around and gone home at that point would have just been a disaster and so I came off that phone, having been corrected and had some inspirational teaching injected into my life. I'm thinking, yeah, in love, in love. love. Yes, if you come home, don't expect to find me here. Um, No. (coughs) I thought, yeah, she's right. She's right. It's like we really felt God was in this. We really felt that he said to do this. And so... I thought, yeah, okay, two weeks, two weeks that 's all it is. Two weeks is not very long. I can do this i can i can I can brace myself, I can be a man i can you know I, I may lose a bit of weight while i 'm there, but hey let's let 's go for it. and I made this decision I made this decision at that very moment to actually switch the way that I thought completely and utterly I did a, a one hundred and eighty degree reversal okay i thought no i've come over here i've paid the money to do this thing and i'm the student and this guy jonathan david is the teacher okay so i am going to position myself in order to receive whatever it is he's got something okay this was the guy that prophesied over Rory and Wendy Alec when they started what was Christian Channel Europe in those days, but became God TV, okay, that couple that started that. He kind of called them out, prophesied over them. He worked with Graham Cook, those of you who know him, a prophetic voice, that they were on each other's boards, that's how we came across him in the first place. He was an accurate prophetic voice. He could prophesy, and I thought, he's got something that I want now. Do I embrace the whole culture of everything they're doing? No, I do not. And, but he has got something that I want, so I am going to position myself in order to receive from him what it is that I need to move me forward. Because I knew that where we were, we were stuck. We were not moving forward. We didn't know what to do, and so we needed revelation. And so I made this decision. I thought, if he says stand up, I'll stand up. If he says, stand on your chair, I'll stand on my chair. If he says, put your arms up, I'll put my arms up. If he says, pray in the spirit, I'll pray in the spirit. He did test us out a little bit, because he had us a a few moments with a lot of these um, people there. He had us singing to one another, and uh, singing to these... uh, lovely Asian people who are about three foot tall, and uh, you would have to look into their eyes and say, I love you with the love of the Lord. And I thought, seriously, you are testing me now. I said I would do anything you said, but this is just having a laugh. So, but I did it. I did it. And whereas the first night I went into that place and everything in me was backing up, it was doing a reverse gear, it was going to a place where I would not be spotted, where I would not have to do something, where I could just be quiet, I just wanted the meeting to finish and go to bed or whatever. Well, I would get in the meeting and I would move myself up to the front. I would position myself, I would say, right, what's going to come, what, what can I cooperate with? in this moment, how can I run with this thing, I, I, you know, they're in charge, I don't necessarily agree with everything, the way that they're doing everything, um, but I am going to align myself with it at this time in order to receive those things, It's just something inside of me said there was a key here, there was a key in order to receiving, and I believe it is about, you know, Humbling ourselves before God. I think many of us have got stuck where we are because we think we know kind of what's important and what's not important. And as I keep saying, the information is not important. The information is what can get you stuck if you think you know and you say, well, I don't do that or I don't do this or I, it's not the whether you do it or whether you don't do it, it's the fact that you won't do it, that is your block, that is stopping you. And there is something about humbling yourself, there is something about laying down your own agenda, there is something about submitting yourselves to one another as the Bible says, about not insisting on your own way, your own style, your own music, your own food, your own this, that or the other, but just coming in. And we would now understand that to be the culture of honour. It's kind of not insisting on your own way, but really kind of working hard to make someone else look good and, and just like throwing yourself in with it. So, anyway... I got into this place and, you know, within, I think, a day, suddenly, this band appeared from nowhere (laughs) and uh, the music got a whole lot better. A large jar of peanut butter appeared downstairs for breakfast (laughs) and a toaster and I thought, I've arrived, (laughs) revival has come. And, And they, you know... Everything Actually, I thought, actually, some of this food's quite nice. I I think it was there I began to develop my taste for curry, which has never gone away since, and I, to this day, love Malaysian curry. Um, But I began to embrace it, and I began to enjoy it, and uh, even those little showers where you have to go in with a bucket and kind of tip it (laughs) over yourself like that, until that one night when that lizard landed on Andy's (laughs) head. And he came out going, Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) this little gecko lizard on his head, on his bald head. It was was those funny moments that uh, stick in your memory. But I began to embrace it, and I actually began to enjoy it. And the teaching which came was just like a revelation. And I began to drink it all in. I began to embrace it and just kind of get into it. And this sense of encouragement began to... Rise up, and you know, I even began to look forward to these pressing in times in the evening, these three hour sessions where we would sometimes just worship in the Spirit. He would encourage us to just worship in, in tongues or whatever and just sing and proclaim. And uh, there was no kind of ministering to one another, there was no, none of this. We would just praying, he, he would often say that as you speak in tongues, it activates your spirit. It activates your spirit within you to connect with the spirit of God, because God is spirit and his spirit speaks to our spirit. That's the connection that gets made. It does not get made through our soul, through our emotions, through our mind, through our reasoning and our logic. It's our spirit to spirit. That's kind of how we communicate. And then from our spirit, it kind of, emerges into our consciousness somewhere. That's why it's often a little bit enigmatic, you know, it's like a dream's uh, not completely straightforward because it's how our, our subconscious begins to interpret what has been spoken into our spirit. But when we speak in tongues and when we worship and when we lift up praises, this activation begins to happen. And that's why I would encourage you if you're beginning to think, okay, these worship times are a little bit long in the morning, perhaps I could not arrive until quarter to ten, just catch the last song and go into it. I would say, think again. Think again, because part of what we do this week is just allowing that extended time of worship. There is something in the British Western culture which just wants to move on, just come on, what's the next thing, what's the next thing on the agenda, come and entertain me, thrill me. I think there is something about waiting on the Lord that I often liken to waiters waiting on a table, you know, it is like, it's that, just having that attention, what, what is, what's needed there is being patient, it's just kind of staying there, it's ministering as we get prompted, oh, Bill please, and off they'll go, a good waiter is someone who's attentive and waiting, and I think if we can be in that place in these times of worship, if we can just not be in a hurry to rush away, to move on to the next item on the program, that's why the program can sometimes, it can be death by program, sometimes, okay, we have got to allow ourselves freedom in the spirit, to be able to connect. That is what this week is about. It's about immersing ourselves in it. It's about allowing time. So, you know, when we say, okay, get yourself into some space or something. Hey, how about getting yourself into some space? How about moving around? You know, if you want something different to happen, how about doing something different? Don't just insist on doing it the way that you've always done it, okay? I mean, I could ask, you, the way that you've always done it, how's that working for you? You know, how many dead have been raised, how many... We really need to connect in to that flow from heaven more than we have done from to this point, Okay? That's what we need to grab hold of. That's what we need to hook into. That's the thing. And, and I believe it is, for, for every aspect of our life, I it doesn't matter what you are, whether you're in business, whether you're in ministry, whether you're a teacher, whether you're in government, you know, there is a flow of heaven which can come, which can just transform your environment around you, can just bring heaven around it. Anyway, I must press on because we have only got five minutes. Um, so, on the very last night of our two weeks, or I think penultimate night, so night before the last night, I'm kind of looking forward to these pressing in times now. And I, I, um, I'm always the first one up there. And um, we kind of get at my position myself up the front. I'm kind of tapping my foot along with the bass drum that's going. And, and I'm ready to go for it. And I'm ready to just go in the spirit at a drop of a hat after two weeks you're kind of really kind of wired and um, so there I am and I can remember that night um, just right at the beginning it was kind of slightly different it wasn't so noisy it wasn't so kind of stomp stomp it was a little bit more gentle but my spirit was still wanting to really connect and I began I just began speaking in tongues and, and singing in tongues and and as I was doing it, I could I could sense this sort of feeling start to come upon me. It was like my cheeks started going a little bit numb, my lips started going a little bit numb, like my ears were going a little bit numb. I was thinking, hello, what's this? Somebody trapped a nerve somewhere or something, and I was kind of moving around in a bit of Pilates, you know, <laughs> trying... Um, but no, it was like it just this feeling was starting to get stronger and stronger. And I can remember... Um, so this is in 96, okay, so it's kind of right in the Toronto Times, which sort of bypassed us a little bit, because we weren't in the right place at the right time. But I can remember Jonathan David saying, look, if, if stuff starts happening to you, if you start feeling things in your body, don't focus on that, don't think, ooh, my fingers are tingling Actually, what he's doing is trying to woo you. He's trying to get your attention. The response of our heart is always to worship him. Is to always come back and worship, whatever is going on. And so, being the obedient student, I, this started happening and I thought, ah, I've got to worship. And so, I just started saying, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I just remember repeating it over and over and over again. And this feeling got stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And... Very soon, it became a lot more comfortable to be lying down than standing up. Um, So, I don't do falling over in the spirit. (laughs) Let's laugh at that. But I lay down, and just this feeling of the presence of God on me was extraordinary. It just got so strong. It literally was like electricity going through every single fibre of my body. I, I, I always remember, we, Ronnie and I always think in films and I'm thinking of that bit at the end of Beauty and the Beast where he's kind of rotating up and there's this light coming out of his fingertips, you know, and it was like that, it was like that. This kind of amazing, just love and presence of God was just flowing through me like electricity and and after a little while, it, I became completely unaware of anything in the room, it was like I was in this place that was just quiet and peaceful, and I felt I felt like God showed me this this picture, this image of something which I won't go into now. But I I was there, and it seemed kind of like a split second. It seemed like I was just there in this place of peace, and um, but then afterwards, I'm I'm kind of then becoming aware of sounds around me, and uh, I, and I begin to sort of come to, and I'm aware of this this pulsating going through my body again, and uh, and it's like, ah oh, man, this is this is amazing, and I and I gradually kind of come to, and I look around the room, and there is no one in the room. They've all gone, they've left, and I it turns out I have been out for the count for an hour and a half. Okay, so so just like completely blotto. And I get up, well actually Andy's still there, and this one wonderful pastor from Papua New Guinea, who just stayed, kind of realised what was going on, and just prayed and was like soaking me in prayer, although I didn't know any of the terminology at the time. But anyway, I get up and um, I think, oh my goodness, that was extraordinary. I'm you know, not 100% sure at that stage what had happened. Actually what I now realise is that There was a certain equipping that was going on in that moment. I think there was an impartation of the anointing, if you will, the the, uh, empowering presence of God to do something which I knew I I didn't at that time know I was going to do. But anyway, so we we went down and and some amazing things happened, uh, which I haven't got time to tell you. But the very next day, Jonathan David came and said, or... I hear one of the Englishmen has had an encounter. Would he care to come and give testimony? And so, kind of very nervously, I come up and begin to tell the story of what happened that night. And, uh, and um, as I did, it all kind of started happening again, and it began repeating itself, you know. Uh, but right at the beginning of the two weeks, Jonathan David had said, this is the big prophet of God who we've gone to go and see, and he said... At the beginning, I'm not going to prophesy over anyone here this two weeks. My heart sank. Oh, I need to know what to do. And, um, but he said, no, it, you, you've got to learn how to hear yourselves. And so, but anyway, he says now, he says, I know I said I wasn't going to prophesy over anyone, but as I've been listening to this testimony, the spirit of prophecy has come upon me, and I feel I have to discharge it. And so he then kind of sits me down in a chair, kind of sets the tape recorder running and just begins to prophesy about a 20-minute prophetic word. And he said, right, Phil. Okay, and uh, bear in mind over the whole two weeks, I had been purposefully evasive with him. I had not told him anything about my life, what we were doing, what our dreams were, what our concerns were. I kind of just small talked really. But he said, Phil, you've come here And you've been waiting for this thing to happen. You've been waiting for someone else to come and do this, this thing that's been in your heart. Well, the Lord is saying to you, it's not them, it's you. This is your commissioning. This is your ordination day. He is setting you aside as part of the ministry. And he went into huge detail of of everything that we'd done, the house that we'd been building, the extension we'd built on the back, and the room that we'd been praying in, the family, the kids, and all of this stuff to validate and to kind of give me that sense of faith and expectancy, but then went on and say, right, this is your ordination day, this is your job, you are going to do it. You know, uh, initially the work will be small, but it will grow, and and all of these different things. And, And I tell you, in that moment, so there's two things that happened there. So one was, the presence of God changed me. I suddenly thought, oh my goodness, this is, I did not know it could be this fun. <laughs> Being in the presence of God, it was extraordinary. But the second thing was the prophetic word. As he declared it over me, and there's those amazing scriptures, aren't there? Saul, King Saul, as um, you know, he started off life after he'd been selected to be king, hiding in the baggage. They said, where's Saul? He's hiding amongst the bags. And uh, he was kind of very scared and timid. But, you know, when he went up and prophesied with the prophets, it says he was changed into another person. And I say I was changed into another person on that day. We had, you know, I was just scared to talk out loud. I was scared to stand up in front of people. I would I would just sweat profusely. I would not sleep for days. I would just worry about stuff. I you know, all of that sort of thing. But afterwards, this transformation began to take place and from that moment I knew it was what I was created to do. I know it was like part of my prophetic destiny, my my personal signature. Okay? And it began to get released in me. And it was that prophetic word that began to change me into another person. So, okay, we're, we're, time's up and Debs is standing in a very foreboding way <laughs> by the ancient gates. <laughs> so, I think we're, we're, we're going to finish up there. But just to, just to kind of cap up, we do focus on the presence of God The Christian life, the walk with our precious Father, is designed to be experienced, not just known about, okay? We are designed to experience it. It is supposed to be a real thing. The prophetic word, we emphasize prophecy in this school. We will be releasing prophetic words over people in some of the main sessions as the Holy Spirit begins to move upon us. And we'll be asking some of the team to be looking around and just kind of thinking have you got a prophetic word for someone? And we'll have the prophetic booths uh, where you know, it gives an opportunity for people to listen to God's heart for you for this season. Okay? So take advantage of those things. Take advantage of them uh, because it can be life-changing. And, but, but more than anything, just make a choice at this time that you want to meet with God, that you're willing to just pay that price. And just say, okay, no one really knows me here. Well, some people do, but no one really knows me. I, I can do anything. I could dance. I could wave a flag. I could, you know, I could move into new territory. In this time, I could go through that place called Awkward, a town called Awkward. That could be. There's an album coming. I can feel it. But we could go through it because something wonderful is just the other side of awkward, okay? It is part of that thing, pushing through that veil, that veil of our flesh. And the fire can't fail to fall on a sacrifice that is offered, okay? Just bear that in mind. And, and also, faith and patience. It's a week, Okay? Trust me, it builds through the week. It gets better and better and better. And if we position ourselves, if we open ourselves up, if we listen, if we act, if we're obedient, if we cooperate, if we kind of get in, your experience will grow as the week goes on, okay? I will say it up at the front. During the times of worship, would it be okay if some of our teams sometimes come amongst you and lay a hand on you and pray for you, because we want to help you to get into that place of experience. okay? So, And he's one of the prime instigators. He, he would have done it without asking. But uh, I'll just sort of say it. If, if you'd rather not, then just kind of say, that's okay, thanks, I'm, I'm doing all right. But I'd encourage you, I'd encourage you to, to receive some prayer. allow someone to lay hands on you because, you know, that experience, that encounter can often come through impartation, through transfer of one person to another, Elisha, Elijah, you know, that that sort of thing. So, right, let's stand. Yay, God. Time flies when you're enjoying yourself, doesn't it? Lord, we thank you. Thank you for... Thank you for this week. Thank you for this group of people who are not here by chance, but you have ordained it. You have have just selected each one to come together, and there is a moment that is going to be released in this time. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you, we bless you for all the good testimonies that are going to spring up from this week. I thank you for the renewing of minds that is going to go on, where we are going to go away different. Then we arrived, Lord, that you specialise in that. Thank you that we don't have to rely on our own abilities, our own strengths, our own gifts, because you do pick the uh, weak things to shame the strong, and you pick the foolish things to shame the wise. So, Lord, we just thank you that you have picked us. We, we just receive it. We humble ourselves and say we want to get as close to you as it is possible to get. We want to hear your voice as clearly as it is possible to hear it. So help us. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to comprehend what you are saying to us at this time. And bless us to have a jolly good lunch. Amen. Amen. Good job, Dad. Good job. Yes.